the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the chatter, everybody. Begin in prayer with, remember, O Most Gracious Gracious Virgin Virgin Mary, that that never was it known that that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Well, that was an irregular start, but this is The Chatter. I'm Tom Oglesby. I'm Janet Wagner. And I'm Colleen Pasnick. That'll happen from time to time. Yeah, it's good to keep things changed up, Tom. But it's good to be regular, too. Yes. Lest I say too much. (laughs) She has a glow about her today, doesn't she? (laughs) I don't know if that was TMI or just a comment. Uh, uh, I think we better go to headlines. What do you got, Well, you know, so often we feel like we're just talking about negative stuff all the time, but I really thought that this was really positive. The funeral for Father Emil Capon or Capon, however you say that, um, was returned. Uh, His body was returned to Wichita, Kansas. So this past weekend they had the funeral mass for him, and I just thought that was awesome because it reminded me of Aloysius Schmidt, Father Aloysius Schmidt from uh, St. Lucas, Iowa. So I'm not really familiar with Father Emil Janet. Tell me a little bit about him, or Tom. Can you fill me in? Well, he was um, a military chaplain. From the Diocese of Wichita? Yes. Oh, okay. If this guy's not a saint... I don't know what it is. If you listen, there's there's books out. There's a movie mm-hmm. out, but there's books. This guy uh, was heroic by any standard in in any era. He uh, he's a chaplain. He was hearing confession, saying mass on the hoods of jeep. Yep, on the jeeps, and then he pulled bodies out or his buddies out. I thought I heard that he carried a wounded man during a uh, forced march, something more than twenty, approaching thirty miles. He wouldn't. Oh. He wouldn't. Wow. He would not uh, abandon the wounded in the field. He. Um, I mean, that's here to cascade. Oh yeah! Can you imagine? Wow! In in Korea, which by the way, is uh, Think Mash. The TV oh, yeah. series here. Mm-hmm. Think, of, think of the blistering heat. Think of the the uh, freezing cold. He's in prison camp. Stole food to feed prisoners, which brings out the Aquinas. Uh, you know, when when is it? Uh, when when are we obedient? When do we? Uh, you know, is it a is it a sin to steal? Perhaps not to uh, get some bread for uh, for a guy. You got to read read the book. I think it's on the. Do we have one on the shelf here? I think I got one at the back of. Hang on, I'll go check. But the uh, yeah, go check the uh, deal here. But you put him in the conversation with uh, Aloysius. It might be down in the next one over there, Colleen. The uh, uh, the local guy here from Saint uh, Sam Lucas, Lucas, but. He was a Dubuque favorite. He was at St. Mary Parish in the 1930s. Before he, he was the first chaplain to die in World War One. Father Aloysius Schmidt. Whose body is interred at uh, Loris College at Christ the King. After, I, after years. Both of these guys, their remains were unknown. Right. Only 
later by way of DNA identification and all of that. And just within the last couple of years. So yeah. that's been very amazing, especially for their families and the, the heritage that they've... I mean, Father Aloysia Schmidt, for me, my mother was from St. Lucas. And so we grew up knowing all about Father Schmidt. Mm-hmm. And the story that I always heard, whether it's necessarily true or not, but he was a big man, a tall man, and he couldn't fit through the hole. He couldn't get out the porthole. Couldn't get out the portal, but he made sure that everyone in his area that could get out um, got out. And also just his, his prayer, and he always stayed prayerful and faithful, and he he died for I'm others. I'm surprised somebody hasn't taken up his cause. I, I am, mm, too. Good point. Both of these guys, though. I mean, he's the Archdiocese of, of Dubuque. He's a Dubuque uh, native St. Mary Parish, which mm. is no longer a parish. Right. Uh, Loris College. One of the one of the former steeples that would grace the skyline of Dubuque is Little Rome. Mm-hmm. Here we are. I love that nickname. Let's use that more often. Little Rome. So. Yeah. Here yeah, we are. Let's use it more often. I need. I think we need to resurrect it more often because I I always remember as a young child Dubuque having the nickname of Little Rome. And why did we have the nickname Little Rome? Because we had every church on every corner of every block, right? Seven hills of Rome, seven hills of Dubuque. Well, at one time at that era, Dubuque had, uh, the Archdiocese of Dubuque had more churches than uh, any in the country. I heard that at the conference. And if you think about it, the uh, Diocese of St. Louis and Dubuque were the first west of the Mississippi. Mm -hmm. At one time, Dubuque's diocese went to canada isn't that amazing right. isn't that, that that is amazing and i heard that at one point it was the most catholic county in the entire country yeah i mean i didn't know a protestant until i went to college yeah didn't know what they were so those are all good reasons for for the nickname little rome i kind of like it so i have a question for you guys as we're talking about father emil and also father schmidt um you brought up a good point tom you're surprised that no one has taken up the task of looking at the cause for canonization for Father Schmidt or for that matter, Father Emil. Um, what, who has to do that? Who, who generally, do you guys, I don't know, so I'm just asking, do you guys know how that would even get started on a local level? Or yeah, I was take, yeah, there's, somebody has to do that locally in, in the diocese and with the parish, but ultimately it starts with an individual. But in addition to those two chaplains, I think a third name ought to be thrown into the conversation. Bishop Loris. Amen. Bishop Matthias Loris. Amen. Think, think about him. Mazzucchelli's already been... Um, he's on the way. He's on the way. And you think of these missionaries. So Mazzucchelli, and I should know this, but I'm, I'm synthesizing my thoughts here, that he probably came west by way of the St. Lawrence waterways, the Great Lakes and everything, and that Loris probably came north by way of the Mississippi. Yes, because he was coming from New Orleans, so I, I think, think that, you're correct, I think Tom. that's right, but think of these, th- think of what uh, wilderness this must have been like here. No roads, it's all, it's all waterways, you're traveling by river, and Mazzucchelli coming up here. Thankfully, we have a school here in town that has adopted this as his, as his patron. But the, these four guys, in my estimation, need to be uh, 
prayed for and prayed to mm-hmm. Maza Kelly, Matthias Loris, Emil Capon. Do I say that right? I've heard it two ways, Capon or Capon, but I'm not exactly I, when sure. When I say Capon, I keep thinking of a... a little pepper or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, Father Schmidt. Father Aloysius, is it? Yes. Boy, I wish we had a statue of Bishop Loris around. Coming soon. We need to. Uh, we need to pray for. We need some. We need some uh, heroes. I mean, this, this. Where are all the heroes? Where are all the modern day saints? Where, where's the Bishop Loris who uh, heads north into this wilderness here from from uh, France? He he was a contemporary of Saint John Vianney. That's right. If you read that really big book, The Curé of Ours, by, um, I forget who the author is, it's a French name, Bishop Loris, Matthias Loris, appears like on page five, mm-hmm. really early in the story, mm-hmm. um, with a little footnote that that guy went on to become the Bishop of Lor- of um, Dubuque, Iowa. Well, because he tutored um, St. Yes. John Vianney. Yes. And that is always something A that... frustrating tutorship. He had difficulty with yeah. Latin. I fall into that category. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, me too. Uh, what was I going to say about, uh, oh, Loris, uh, I, in conversation on this topic, I, it was my understanding someone shared with me that Bishop Loris' father was a martyr for the faith. Oh, I didn't know that. that I during, didn't know that. During the French Revolution, he was accused of and would not recant of hiding priests in the mm-hmm. French Revolution. Wow. Really? In the French Revolution? Yes. Wow. Oh, was he a Vendee? Was he Western I don't know, France? I don't, I don't know if he was Vendee, but... Um, he was uh, certainly a, a religious patriot. So, you know, when the French Revolution took a hold of that country, that small area in western France resisted the Vendee. Um, and they resisted the French Revolution, and they almost all were slaughtered. It's a fascinating story. If you're unfamiliar with it, it um, please look it up. As V E N D E E, is that how it's spelled? Is it two E's on the end? Yeah, I think EWTN so. has a movie on this okay. that is extremely well done, and they play it occasionally. It's probably available on demand, and it's worth uh, a bag of popcorn to what you gotta have a popcorn to watch it here. Sure, anytime you're watching people getting slaughtered, but nothing I, goes better than popcorn. Oh, well, I, I wouldn't quite. So let's talk about this, too, because you both are bringing up great points. We need saints for our times, you know, like these guys. So go into um, the French Revolution. Who were the saints around that time? Mm-hmm. So Joan of Arc. Was was she during that? Oh, I she think was, she was she, earlier. She was with earlier. the war with the English. Yes. Right. The okay. French-English war, which I think was much earlier. But I'm guessing, like... 1200s 1300s 1400s yeah i'm trying to figure out a timeline of who was associated with with saints during those times well margaret mary alacoque was 100 years before the french revolution we know because our lord appeared to her and said that he wanted the king of france to dedicate consecrate the country of france to his sacred heart okay and put his sacred heart on all his banners and everything and he refused Right. And 100 years later to the day was when the French Revolution started, and he eventually lost his head. So she would have been 100 years prior. Well, and the other thing that people don't realize is France, the country of France, was kind of the birthplace of monasticism, of Western monasticism. Mm, I um, didn't know that. Is that where Benedict was? 
Yeah, Benedict and and well, and then yeah, because Montesino, and then um, when you look at um, well, like the Trappist, we have two sure. Trappist orders no. here. They trace their roots back. I believe it's to 1078. Um, don't quote me on that, but um, if I remember that from my history, um, so many saints came out of France. I'm compelled to go back, Janet, on the uh, where are all the heroes today? Where are all the saints? Mm-hmm. So, what would that look like today? What would that? What would a saint today look like? Well, we have our contemporary. One of the most contemporary saints that I think is a great witness and a great model would have been um, Saint Blessed Mother. Ter- or excuse me, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Mm-hmm. Don't know how to say that anymore. <laughs> I know, right? It's always Padre Pio. Oh wait, Saint Pio Petrolus. Yeah, yeah. We just love Padre Pio. We just love Mother Teresa. We get that saint name all kind of mixed up in there. Right, and I and I like her because she wasn't a pope, and she was just a, a common person whose total mantra was just do this for me. Do this in how how did she say that? Um. I thirst was always on her wall in her um, convent, and as she would bring people in, um, she would just say, "All you have to do is just be with the dying. If nothing else, just hold their hand." There's no skill sets needed to do that, and she was a saint, and she was a saint because of these simple truths. And she reminds me of um, Therese of Lisieux. She was a simple saint. You're right, Janet, and. You know what her uh, sanctity was based in were, were her holy hours. Mm-hmm. She spent at least one before work, and I think maybe two before work every day. Mm-hmm. Holy hour. And and she would often say, I can't do anything, but I am in front of the Eucharist, and that's where I get my strength. And the other thing that people don't realize, I read her book, it was really incredibly interesting, is for 40 years of her life, she felt that Christ abandoned her and alienated her and that she was just living in a period of dryness. 40 years. Yeah. I mean, I'm frustrated if I have 40 minutes that I can't figure out what's going on. Here's a Mm -hmm. woman that did it for 40 years. I think the difficulty with that is is not that you want a hug from Christ, but it's a... uh, a The the directional, you know, am I doing your will or am I doing my will? And Mm -hmm. I think that that is difficult you're right at at uh, all of it here, but let's go deeper on the. Um, we were just talking about the four saints or the four people who we should take up the uh, cause of sainthood: Matthias, Loris, uh, Mazzucchelli, Samuel Mazzucchelli, and the two chaplains, one from the Archdiocese of Dubuque, Schmidt, and then Capon, who is uh, out of Kansas, yeah, Wichita, Wichita mm-hmm. doing that. I mean, they have one thing in common, by my estimation, is the evangelization that they brought. They were, and and what appears in my cursory view of the modern church is a lack of evangelization, which is the mission of the church in Matthew's twenty-six. Yay! Mm-hmm. Go forth. Well, and the other two things they have in common, um, or these two guys have in common um, with that, with evangelization, is. Not only did they evangelize to their peers and while they were in service, while they were alive, look at the evangelization that's happening postpartum. I mean, in their death, posthumously. I mean, it's it's amazing to me. Um, that's a chewy subject, too. 
it's it, it's a both and. I mean, it's it's just very it's very interesting. It's in, it's incredible, and and to me, I see that as being the hand of God because you know we couldn't fabricate that. Mm-mm. But I really so let's just just stop here for a second. So evangelization, I thought that was kind of passe. I thought it was old school. Well, I they've retranslated. We're in a dialogue. They've no, they've retranslated that. Matthew, go oh, go yeah, forth and make disciples of make all disciples of all nations. Put coexist bumper stickers on their cars. Oh yeah, the little known, the little known <laughs> quote of Christ. Note to listeners, that was a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> but seriously, you never hear about evangelization. You hear about dialogue, but what's the point of dialogue? I don't think it's evangelization. Well, the other side of the coin is is the type of evangelization that I heard of is I just want to put my hands over my ears um, when I hear of different evangelization because to me it's like one more parish program and I'm sick of parish programs because they have to detail everything out that is something that is so simple. You evangelize to people who Christ puts in front of you. That could be your family members, your spouse, your friends, each other, a stranger. Because we should all be steeped in the faith. He, God provides those opportunities. We don't need to come up with a new program. That's just one take on it from my opinion. Well, she's just taken us 50 miles an hour into the break here, and we don't have time to finish that up here. How about we call it uh, a wrap on segment one, and we'll come back and pick up that conversation. This is The Chatter. I'm Tom Oglesby. I'm Janet Wagner. And I'm Colleen Pasnick. And we'll be back right after these announcements. We are back. This is FM 98.3 KCRD, and the chatterbox is chattering here. I'm Tom Oglesby. I'm Janet Wagner. And I'm Colleen Pasnick. We had to cut her off, Colleen. We did. And she was Janet sure. was on a roll. Yeah, I was. And well, I... We were talking accompaniment. Uh, dialogue, dialogue, evangelization, dialogue. the coexist bumper sticker. We were all over the place, you guys. Smell like the sheep. Get the smell of the sheep on you. I always think of that one, too. Sheep are stinky. I think all of this uh, ties into uh, the the category of weaponized ambiguity. What do you mean yeah. by that? Well, it's uh, lack of clarity. When when have we uh, in dialoguing and accompaniment? I mean, what what does any of this mean? Well, and it's kind of like a hammer over your head with no definition of what you're talking about. Is there a definition of of weaponized dialogue? weaponized ambiguity? Of, of yeah. I think the problem with dialogue in in the context of evangelization is is that we're supposed to talk with other Christians or non-Christians, and there's supposed to be some kind of give and take. I accept some of the teachings that you have and some of the thoughts you have, and therefore you should accept some of uh, what I have, and and so there's this this uh, give and take. We've had a dialogue and. You've got, it's a potluck, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a compromise. And I've learned in some of those things that every time you have a give and take like that, you sidestep authority and you give in to um, compromise. Well, it slides, uh, it flies in the face here that all truth rests in the Catholic Church and the magisterial uh, authority, uh, sacred tradition and scripture Mm -hmm. so if that is true tom that all um truth resides in the catholic church 
What is the purpose of dialogue? I think that was the outset of this question here. What 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 is the purpose here? What what you know? What is ecumenism? Right. I thought ecumenism was you bring a menism, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what it was. Slow that down. <laughs> yeah, ecumenism. You bring them in. You come inism. Anything in ism isn't good, is it? <laughs> but I'm serious and wondering what is the purpose of dialogue? It just seems like it perpetuates dialogue. Like you never get to the end of dialogue. Well, that's the 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 that's a good point. The perpetual, never-ending. I haven't gotten a conclusion to what's going on here, which is a form of modernism, which Pope Pius the hundred and eleventh said uh, is the sum of all errors. Yes. Okay. There's not been a Pope Pius a hundred and eleven. <laughs> what did Malachi say about that? <laughs> 12th, 10th, 11th, 12th, I yeah, don't know. Yeah. No, modernism, you're right. Pope Pius X spoke about modernism a lot. But I, I don't think we have a good idea of what modernism is. I'm all about definitions tonight, you guys. All right. I'm all about definitions. Well, lay it on us. Yeah, so what's your definition of modernism in the church? Wait a minute. I'm asking you guys the definition of modernism in the church. Okay, I'll take it on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So modernism has three components. Okay. From you, the person who's asking the question. Yeah. Never ask a question if you don't already know the answer, right? So modernism has three components, and they're easy to remember because it's the first three vowels. Hmm. Right? A. Hmm. Agnostic. Um, modernism doesn't know a lot of the answers. They don't know really if there's a God. They don't know. There's a lot of questioning. Did Jesus really do all those miracles? There's this um, attitude of, oh, we're not really sure. Okay, that's part of modernism. They must have never read Josephus. I'm sure they didn't even hear of Josephus. So that's one part of modernism. What's the next vowel in the alphabet? E. And what does the E stand for? Um, evolution. So modernism has this idea of the evolution of doctrine. Well, maybe it, maybe it meant that back in the time of Christ, but we have evolved in our understanding. Oh, yeah. right. So there's this evolution of things maybe don't mean what they meant back then. The humor of continuity, though. My the tongue's tied. Hermeneu- Hermeneutic, Her- hermeneutic. Of, hermeneutic, hermeneutic of continuity, of continuity right, yeah. right, right. So um, that's another one that things can evolve. Now that's an error, okay? Truth is truth is truth. Two plus two is four, whether you're in BC or AD, right? So these are errors. The A, atheism, agnosticism, is there, you know, is there God? Do we even know that there's God? Can, can we God know? That's be an known. error, okay? Evolution of doctrine is an error, okay? That's an error. Then what's the next vowel? I. Now, this is a little trickier because it means imminence, which, which really means subjectivism. So it's all about the person, the I. It's all about the I. How do I feel? How do I understand that? What's my think, thinking and feeling on it? Which really has nothing to do with anything. Because truth is Christ, right? Truth is a person. So that's outside of me. Um, there's a truth. So those are the three easy ways to remember some of the main tenets of modernism. We see that all the time, everywhere. 
Um, and so it's really an infested the church in a, in a very bad way. Well, and it's really, it's really an insult to God because agnostic is I'm better than God. And evolution is I'm a better creator than God. And eminence about myself is I'm the true God. I mean, that's let's bring it down to Main Street, though. How's it? I mean, let's bypass the church for a minute here. But what? How's how's it impacting Main Street here? What? What? Well, how do we I, see this on a day to day basis? I think one of the first ways you see it is cafeteria Catholicism. I don't like that teaching, right? Imminence. I don't like that teaching, so I'm not going to follow it. And here's another one for you: my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a Main Street theme. That's a you know. It's all about me. I'm selfish. I don't Mm -hmm. care about anybody else, for that matter, the life that I might be carrying inside Mm -hmm. of me. Mm -hmm. We see it everywhere. You can, once you kind of get those three ideas, you see it everywhere. So let's go, let's go down the, uh, you talk the cafeteria Catholic. It strikes me this is how uh, the canceled priest movement is, is coming all about here. Mm -hmm. How, how, how do priests get canceled? What's, what's the leading way a priest gets canceled? Well, I think it's because they speak some of these truths. And? That are not modernism, that are not based on the individual. And, that, and what? Connect the dots. Connect them for me. Help me out well, here. Well, so he's speaking the truth. Somebody in the pew doesn't like it. It's not on their cafeteria plate. Right. And they go where? To the bishop and complain. And complain, hey, he's making me feel uncomfortable, and I don't think I have to believe that doctrine of the church. As a matter of fact, I don't think it is doctrine. Well, and that squeaky wheel always gets oiled. Why? That is a good question. I I wish the bishops would stop pacifying these people and tell them the truth. I mean, because here's the real issue. Whose soul is going to be lost in that case? The upset person in the pew that just refuses to change because we've done it this way for how many years? We don't want to go back to the old way, this this whole attitude. I mean, this is where Karen's came from. And uh, they just, it's just such an attitude that is being allowed to take over the church and it's not being shut down. It's not even being shut down by the pastors of the church who have every right in that parish to do so. And then they probably don't because as soon as they do, the bishop says, you can't do that, you know. And, well, you, and you really have to unpack that here because if, uh, if, if a priest is preaching that and, and you've got someone who's calling the chancery and complaining and the, bishop's got, or the uh, priest has no uh, support or backing from the chancery, the dean, or the, uh, the bishop himself. Yeah, it's like I don't want to preach about abortion this weekend because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings in the in the congregation who may have had one. And I think after all of these years of having watered down modernism preached at us, people are not used to hearing the truth. And so they hear it and they're offended. Mm-hmm. That can't be what we believe. And what's the other thing that goes with it? It's on the tip of my tongue, something theology. Um, it's a... Uh, on tap? No. Liberation theology? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. The other thing that goes with modernism is liberation theology. And and tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's it's socialism uh, disguised as uh, Christianity. 
Right. It's Marxism, socialism, Marxism. communism, all wrapped up into taking care of the poor, but removing faith out of the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus, is, they're making Jesus more concerned about this world than about eternal life. So it's all about relieving the poor, the suffering. It's all about the works of mercy that have to do with the body, the corporal works of mercy, but nothing to do about the spiritual works of mercy, which are higher than the corporal works of mercy because our souls will live forever. I think part of uh, what's going on here is um, a couple of conversations which, which I've had uh, the privilege of some priests here who are um, still active but approaching their twilight. And they talk about their uh, formation in seminary so you go back, uh, these, these are priests from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, or, the, or maybe even into the 80s, but they were taught, you know, what are the three constituencies required to uh, commit a mortal sin? Okay, so serious matter. Serious matter. Yeah. Full knowledge. Full knowledge. So you know it's wrong. Right. And free will, you choose it anyway. And so in... Seminary, these, these uh, they weren't uh, liberation theologists, but they certainly were relativists. They certainly were modernists. If you start breaking down and attacking those, those uh, three constituencies of mortal sin, one, it's grave matter, it's serious matter, but I have to have full consent and full knowledge. Well, they've spent a lot of time counseling priests in the decades that I just talked about, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, about attacking those two secondary tenets. Are, is it, do you really know it's grave matter? And in your situation, can you fully consent to that? I mean, aren't you being coerced by worldly circumstance? Now, how... How to do that? One, this was the era of humani vitae, and artificial birth control was under under attack. And Pope Paul the Sixth, rightly, accurately predicted that it would lead to homosexuality, a divorce, um, adultery, uh, now transgenderism, all of those kinds of things, because you were attacking what was objectively, this is part of modernism, there is no objective truth. It is subjective. This, this was uh, Papa Cuomo up in New York. Who was the first Cuomo? Mario, Mario Brothers? Mario, Mario Brothers. Uh, personally, I'm opposed, but I don't want to impose my belief on someone else. Well, so you're opposed to embezzlement? You're opposed to... I'm uh, opposed to beating my wife, but I, I won't stop other people yeah, from yeah, doing it. Yeah. So, uh, what a, I mean, that's such a coward. I mean, if we're into definitions, to me, that's an example of what a coward is. This goes back to my provocative question early on. Where are all the heroes? Where are today's saints? The guys who are standing up, who are acting saintly, are being canceled. Mm -hmm. 
What do you mean by being canceled? Well, their parishes are being taken away from them. They don't even have to be a priest. What do you mean? Well, <laughs> individuals, businesses are being canceled. Yeah, these are people who generally have traditional conservative outlooks that um, put the truth and God is number one. And as soon as they exercise their God-given rights and the truths and side with God and teach other people, they are canceled. Because you're standing up for what you believe to be right. Not that it emanates from you, but that it is given to us and we pass it on. The truth that is someone, not something. The truth that is Christ. Well, you're being... You know, if you... We, we get it here on occasion. We get the, it, it's a 10 to 1 landslide of people affirming what it is that we're broadcasting based on the truth from the various networks. But every now and again, we'll get something, you know, th- that's awfully harsh. Right. You know, that, that's not the Jesus that I know that is merciful. We're all about Jesus. We play the chaplet of divine mercy. But the thing that always irks me about Jesus being merciful, he is, but there's a step that people miss before he's merciful, and that's you need to repent. You, we, as a people, in order for Jesus to be merciful to us, need to reconcile with him, which means we need to admit we were wrong, we need to understand where our sinfulness is, and we need to go to confession, confess that, and at the very least, tell Jesus we're sorry so that we have the opportunity for him to be a merciful God. So doesn't that happen at the beginning of every Mass? Don't we say, I confess to Almighty God? Isn't sure that we do. good yeah. enough? I don't know. If you broke into my house and destroyed my goods and you come by later and say, yeah, it was me, I'm sorry, is that good enough? Well, she's evil. She's baiting you here. <laughs> she's trolling. Oh, come on, you yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. And if you do come in and house seen that, that, you will be met with Sally. Yeah. <laughs> that Irish trolling eye there. I've heard this. I've heard that. Well, at Mass, we begin, I confess to Almighty God. So why do I need to go to confession? I just confessed in the confidier, and the priest what said... What did you confess? I confess to Almighty God. What did you and confess? And to you, my brothers and sisters, that no, I have that's sinned. That's not the question. In my thoughts, words, deeds. Wait, what is, how does it go? Yeah, and then I have greatly sinned, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Good enough, right? Idio precor, you know, and it goes on. But the difference is, is that there's, that is from the time of your last confession or the time that you received Jesus last. You're missing the point. What's the point, Colleen? So can I just say that if it's venial sin or what if it's a mortal sin, or, I mean, does it cover every sin? Negatory Big Ben. No, Negatory. no, no. Venial sin can be absolved by the penitential rite. Right, and receiving Jesus in the Eucharist. And yeah. also, you know, confessing also the Our Father at Mass. And, you know, it, it's all preparation to receive him. But if you're in, in grave mortal sin... Defined have, as, she just defined it, run right. it by us again. Yep, three three conditions of mortal sin. Grave matter. Grave matter, full knowledge, and full you, consent. And you did it. And the thing is, is that I think we need to talk about what grave matter is and circumstances. Because 
you know, the obvious ones are uh, abortion. Um, I think we picked this up on the other side of the break here. Perfect. Janet, you're, you're... I'm good with that. You're... you're Because uh, you're on a three-minute uh, silo... Uh, silo... 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 Wait. Okay. <laughs> We're all tongue-tied tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Colleen Pasnick. Janet Wagner. This is The Chatter. I'm Tom Oglesby. back this is the chatter i'm tom oglesby with colleen pasnick and janet wagner and we had to cut you off here with the uh, shepherd's hook that's janet right. you were uh, on a roll and you were talking about mortal sin yeah you know i really think that almost like it was a first-hand uh, experience <laughs> well i would have to say i think we've all had first-hand experience with mortal I sin i don't know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not going to confess your sins colleen <laughs> but it would be fun <laughs> But I think something that is so important is, and I remember when I was a kid and we were, it was either for, I think it was for around our first communion time when you also received the first time you go to confession, your first reconciliation. And we were studying. I remember sitting in class, the teacher was talking about it. And I think a priest would come in occasionally and say, you know, tell us about what mortal sin is. And it was so confusing to me as a kid. Because, you know, probably the worst thing I ever did was beat my sister and steal a Snickers candy bar out of the freezer, you know. And, but um, as we get older, what is mortal sin? We, we've already defined it as grave matter. But what is grave matter? Because what is grave matter to one is not necessarily grave matter to another. And that's where we're getting into this whole um, uh, what we were talking about before. With modernism, modernism and subjectivism. And- but... I'm okay, you're okay. Right. So I think to make it easy for our listeners is if we say, start with the sins that cry out to heaven. So what are those sins? Four of them. Four of them. Okay. Shedding of innocent blood. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yep. That would be like abortion, right? right? Murder. Murder. Shedding of innocent blood. Sodomy, Sodomy. And we'll leave it in that term for our listeners in case there are young listeners. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Defrauding the poor of their wage. Mm-hmm. The day laborer. The day laborer. Mm-hmm. And what's the fourth one? Come on, you guys, help me out. The um, oppression of the widow, orphan, and alien. Mm-hmm. Okay. The four sins that call to heaven for vengeance. Now, when, we, when you think of those things, it's just like, so really, are those all grave? Well, I think we need to get into how the grave matter is involved in those things. And so we just talked about, you know, the taking of innocent life. Well, that's obviously abortion. That's obviously murder. Um, But it also could be um, being careless as you're driving down the road and you're um, drag racing with somebody and you you end up killing somebody. Anger. Anger, yeah. Anger where you never killed somebody, but your thoughts and your words basically um, change that person's life forever and... It was basically abusive. That's grave matter. And and you're right. The four sins that cry to heaven for vengeance for sure are grave matter. For sure. But the reason I hear a lot of people say they don't go to confession is this is what they say. I haven't killed anybody. Right. I haven't robbed a bank. Right? As, the, as if the only reason to go were as if you had committed one of those four sins. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we've got a couple of ways to break this down here, I think. The four sins that cry to heaven to vengeance, and we just went through that. The taking of innocent life, sodomy, the oppression of the uh, uh, widow, orphan, and alien, and the uh, withholding of the day laborer. What are you looking for, Colleen? I'm looking for that examination, the purple book that will keep us out of They're uh, over there, I think. Father Altiers? Yeah. Grab one of those. Um, the other the other items are um, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, which are breaking down here. I always did that here as a child. Somewhere around my first communion, somebody gave me a, uh, or I saw a statue, had a statue of, of Moses with the uh, two tablets. And even then I was obsessive-compulsive. He, he didn't do it. There were three numbers on this tablet and, and seven numbers over on this tablet. And I never figured that out. For years I never figured that out. Not equal. They're not equal. Right, five and five. Five and five, you know. Did God not figure that out? So you've got the four sins that cry to heaven here, and I think your comment just struck this, Colleen. I don't go to confession because I haven't murdered anybody. Right. And that's the only, that's number five on the list. The first three that are on the first tablet have to do with God. Right. Don't take the name of the Lord God in vain. Don't don't have any strange gods, gods before, before me, me. And keep holy the Sabbath day. I will venture to say that there are more idols, there's more idolatry going on in 21st century Roman Catholicism than at any other time and 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 have we given to god what is god's and not put the idols of 401ks and uh <laughs> well, it could be in, look at technology technology how much time look at, look do we at, spend on technology I, people are moving into new homes because if they only have three bathrooms they need five really you need five King Charlemagne didn't have five toilets. Right, and, and all the toys. He and, didn't have toilet paper either. But, Let's and, not go that way. Speaking I mean, of you too also, much information. <laughs> That's twice that she's done that tonight. <laughs> but you look at that, and I think it is so important that we break down these things and have this discussion for the very reason that somebody says, well, I don't need to go to confession because I go to God. You know, that's the other thing is like, I'm not going to tell a priest those things. I, I tell Jesus I'm sorry. And and then the other thing that just cracks me up is Jesus already knows I'm sorry. And I'm like, okay, so apparently you don't know about atonement and reparation. <laughs> so I, th- I think just to go back to the I haven't killed anybody. Okay, and Tom, your comment about three commandments on the one side and right. seven on the other. So the three commandments on the one tablet, they refer to sins against God, God, God right? God. That's what right. you're saying. Um, and would you say that those are more serious than the seven that are sins against our fellow Absolutely. man? Absolutely. Yes. Why? Because he's God and you're not. <laughs> right? Right. So we could just look at those three. And you know what? What is the first one? I'm the Lord your God. You shall have, have no, no other gods God before me. me. Um, this book by Father Altier, which if you don't have it, please get it. It will keep you out of hell. Do we have some left here? Do we get hell. We can mail these out, can't we? <clears throat> we can. But uh, the very first thing that Father Altier comments about as what we should examine our conscience for underneath that sacrament is involvement in occult practices. 
I know so many people that have gone to mediums. Yeah. Okay, I would bet you $100 that none of them would think that they sinned in going to a medium. Who's reading the... Because uh, they didn't kill anybody. Right. Right? How many people uh, on a daily basis go to the horoscope page? Right. The horoscopes, the, the Ouija boards... All of that is under that commandment. And people go, I didn't know that was a sin. Or how about joining the Masons? Joining the Masons. People have no idea what they're involved in when they get to that point. Right. So there are so many points just under commandment number one. Or yoga is a big one. Yoga is a big one. Chaos like yoga. Yeah. Yeah. But I would. Well, that's just stretching. Mm -hmm. How can that be sinful? I'm just stretching. I just want to exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my response to that was, if you see a Hindu making the sign of the cross, what are you thinking? He converted. So if you see a Catholic stretching in the lotus position, what are you thinking? They converted. Next question. <laughs> well, that was easy. But okay, so these are, these are some of those serious matters that we talked about as a condition for mortal sin. Serious matter, the Ten Commandments. Well, and the other... I want to keep going with this is receiving Jesus, receiving the Eucharist, receiving Holy Communion in a state of mortal sin. If you've been fornicating or sleeping with somebody and you're living together before marriage and you're acting like you're married, but you're not, that's a mortal sin. And now that you're receiving communion, if you're still going to church, you're just piling mortal sin on top of mortal sin on top of mortal sin. Right. So in other words, some of these things that are part of daily life, are mortal sins. And we're not saying that to be downers, to make everybody feel Catholic guilt, to feel guilty. We're saying it because we we want everyone to go to heaven and you right. cannot have mortal sin on your soul and go to heaven. Right? You, you can't. Well, now that, let's let's clarify that. How many mortal sins does it really take to go to hell? One. Oh. <laughs> Because, you know, mortal, it's in the name of the sin. <laughs> mortal. Well, this goes back to that uh, dialogue and accompaniment and making everybody feel good about this, and we don't want to talk about Abortion is the, is the whipping post, isn't it? That, that's the go-to. That, yeah, is, is it the, abortion is the symptom. It's not the problem. I've said that before. Even though it's mm -hmm. the 75 million dead baby symptom in this country estimated in the last uh, 12 decades the uh, 20th century and, and the two decades here worldwide a billion babies murdered yeah it's, it's it, horrific to think about it's the symptom of what it's the symptom of the commandment you just read from Father Altier's book. It's called an examination of conscience. If you want one, call. It's the symptom of the first, you will have no strange gods before me. If you believed God is God and you are not, you would never take the life that he has given to you. But, you know, we hear all the time, right? I haven't had an abortion, so why do I have to go to confession, right? I haven't. Abortion seems to be, like you said, Tom, kind of like the, the, the mark. We will never get rid of abortion until we get rid of contraception. Mm -hmm. And that's not me saying that. That's the Supreme Court saying that. 
that we need abortion because we have contraception and we need abortion as a backup for contraception for when it fails. So how many people that say, oh, I haven't committed a sin because I haven't killed anybody. I haven't had an abortion. Well, how many people that say that are contracepting? And let me be clear. People who say that are also committing a sin of pride. Because basically what you're saying, it goes back into scripture um, when I can't remember the context, but basically what's happening is like, well, at least I wasn't like that person. You just made yourself better than the sinner. The publican and the sinner. Right. Thank goodness I'm not like that guy back there. Right. At least I didn't commit abortion. So what? You think you're going to slide into heaven at the 11th hour? Right. Right. So... You know, I think this examination, people need to look a little deeper than just the big, well, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't rob a bank. So why do I have to go? I think we got to go deeper than that, Colleen, here, because uh, we've just opened the can. I didn't think we anticipated opening the can here. But, I mean, it's one thing to pile on Catholics who are or are not going to confession and what they choose to confess and what they don't choose to confess. But the reality of it here is, is um, this, there's spiritual abuse being perpetrated by the clergy. And what yes. do you mean by spiritual abuse? I mean that if you are withholding the truth that is not something but someone, you're not teaching the magisterium, sacred tradition, and holy scripture. And um, without breaking the seal of the confessional, I have had... Listeners call us and say, more than one listener, I have been told by my priest in a confessional that I should have my wife on birth control pills. We have enough children. Tom, what do you think? I I don't know what you're asking me for, but you're going to get pure unadulterated uh, truth here. Run, do not walk from that confessional. I've had another, a woman who was counseled by a uh, priest to follow the direction of her doctor in an at-risk pregnancy to abort her child. That's just wrong. How can the laity have informed consent as it relates to mortal sin, grave matter, full consent, and uh, full knowledge, when they go for counseling inside the confessional and the advice is, is malpractice. Well, and that's the, that's the cause. I mean, that's, that's an example of the cause of what you were talking about before, that abortion is just a symptom. So much sin today is a symptom because there's such a lack of knowledge. Well, it manifests itself in the fact that laity don't, eight out of ten, don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. They've been taught that. I'm really starting to question if people really think that when they die, if that means it's just it, or if they believe in heaven or hell. I mean, I know already the majority of people who die have already been canonized before we even have the funeral. Yeah, it's a canonization, not a eulogy. And, you know, as laity, what what kind of 
recompense do we have with our I think our Mother Angelic said this back 25 or 30 years ago when this, this is not a new topic that it's we're discussing. So if you're going down JFK here and you're thinking the chatter's really gone chattery today, this is not a new topic. It's been no. going on for a long time. Run, do not walk from that confessional. That priest is not taking you to heaven. Find a good priest. They are here and they are available, but not all. They are here and they are available. And if you are a priest and you are listening to this broadcast, please give us the truth. Yes. If you love your flock, you will give them the truth. I remember walking into bookstores saying, I just want to know the truth. Mm -hmm. If I choose to accept it or reject it, that's on me. But just tell me the truth. You are not helping anyone by watering down and saying what you think they want to hear. Just tell us the truth. And that's some warped sense of mercy that says, if I don't tell you the truth, and you're just warring up here that... Jesus is going to come down here and say, well, you really didn't know the truth, but come on over here anyway. You know what this reminds me of is Santa Claus. Every kid growing up... Didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming either. Well, every kid growing up for a time, not every kid, but I would have bet that almost every kid was instigated by their parents in this belief in Santa Claus, this mythical being that you, you as a kid believed in. And by the time you got to second, third, fourth grade, and you weren't catching on, the parents finally had to say, hey, it's us. Santa Claus is not real. Why didn't you tell me? Why did you let me believe this lie? Isn't that about what we're talking about now? Because, because when you die, we're going to face Jesus. We are going to face Jesus, and I think we're no. Our hearts are made to know God and to know the truth. And even if it's hard to hear, I always want to know the truth. So no one does anyone a favor by softening everything, saying Jesus is mercy. There's no it's judgment. Insulting. It's very. It's insulting. insulting. Just tell me the truth. And it's such condescension. I mean, we already know that difficult topics are very difficult. So if you're going to smell like the sheep, then walk with that person in the difficulty. And the, and, the, and the reason, the motivation behind the telling of the truth is because we all want everyone to get to heaven. But the fact is, Christ himself said that the road to destruction is broad, and many there are who walk that way, while the road to eternal life is narrow and few there are that go that way. And then he says, strive to enter the narrow gate. Priests, if you're listening, help us strive to enter the narrow gate. And for Any, those priests that have, thank you so much. This is the chatter. Any priest that is listening that needs some of these beautiful books from Father Robert Altier. They are entitled A Preparation for the Sacrament of Confession. We've got a supply here. Any listener that wants them, go to kcrd-fm.org and uh, hit the uh, send me a book somewhere around there. Contact me or call us on that number here. We're going to do that. We're going to wrap up with, uh, with prayer here as we close. And uh, 
We did it uh, the other day here. I think we got a good prayer for priests. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father, please send us holy bishops and holy priests, all for the sacred and immaculate heart of Mary, all in union with St. Joseph. And, um, of course, I mean the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. Please give them strength to be heroes, to tell the truth. All glory be to the Father, and to, to the, the Son, and, and to, to the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was, was in, in the beginning, beginning is, is now, now, and ever, ever shall be, world without end. end. Amen. This is The Chatter. We'll see you next week.